0: Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors lose yet again. I score 122-117 to 117 to the Portland Trail Blazers, and I'm sure you're sick of hearing me say this, but I'm sure you're even sicker of watching the Raptors give great efforts than have like a disastrous stretch where they don't score whatsoever. Um, usually in the third quarter, and the Raptors battle back and lose against a team that is better than them, and um, yeah, I mean, you know, this is just what it is, I, I don't know, this is just what it is, I mean, the, the Raptors weren't able to overcome the Blazers, there were some good points for sure uh, on the Raptors' offense, I mean, it got off to an explosive start, giving up, uh, or scoring 74 points at halftime, of course, Um, the Blazers are really, really inept defensively, and, um, you know, that'll happen against this team, however, the Raptors are also really inept offensively, and we just saw them go through the third quarter, where they scored a grand total of 10 points in the third quarter, they shot, listen to this, they shot 0 of 13 from 3 in that third quarter alone, enough to make you tear your hair out, um... And, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that's where they lost the game. I mean, look, listen, the Raptors could have played a good third quarter, went into the fourth quarter, and, you know, you would have had game time and the Blazers could have come back on you because the Blazers are really good at doing that. And that might hurt even more than the way the Raptors lost. But, uh, you know, that obviously it's it's hard to, I mean, it's hard to overcome a 10-point quarter. And it's funny when you look at the, you know, just the, the box score, when I'm looking at the numbers here, 41 points in the first quarter, 33 in the second, 33 in the fourth quarter. It's just that 10 in the middle. Um, Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, it's it's not like offense was that bad of a problem. I mean, they scored 117 points. They got to the free throw line 33 times. They were really aggressive in attacking the paint. A lot of guys involved in that. OG, Pascal, Fred, um, you know, even some of the bench guys did a good job of getting to um, the, the free throw line. Rodney Hood got there. Uh, getting fouled on a three, Stanley Johnson got there, you know, uh, Chris Boucher got there, it's just, they just didn't, you know, they didn't really have enough, I mean, look, at this point, when you turn on the Raptor game, are you really expecting them to win, because, you know, I, I might have some, I might have some cut code knives to sell you if that's the case, like, um, it's, I'm not saying the Raptors are incapable of winning games, but I do think that, like, the one of the biggest takeaways from this entire season is just, like, It's a very thin line between winning and losing, and um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's not like I don't think the Raptors have the quality to do it, but I just don't think that they have the ability to put together 48 straight minutes, and usually... You know, you can blame a couple of things for that. I think you can blame a bit of the lack of talent. You can blame a little bit of um, the, the lack of continuity. Whatever you want to blame on it. It's just the, 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 the point is the Raptors can't string together 48 cons- consistent minutes. Very uh, seldomly. Actually, that's not true. They can sometimes. We've seen, and, and usually that's when the Raptors have had their best results. Like, I thought that Denver game, complete game, start to finish. And it was like no lull, no stretch, nothing like that. Everyone was just coming in, scoring, doing their job, defending, perfect, right? um, and, you know, like, <sighs> shit, I mean, like, the, the Nets game, like, that, man, that was, like, February, man, in any case, like, for the most part, the Raptors can't put together forty good minutes, and, uh, yeah, I mean, there's just some clear problems on this team, of course, and, yeah, again, it goes back to the question of, when you turn on the Raptors game, do you expect to see the win, because, like, uh, you're going to be frustrated more times than not. The Raptors are now ten games under 500, uh, t- 18 and 28 on the season. There's almost no chance for them to even get back to 500. If you can't get back to 500, you're not going to be in the playoff chase. Even in a even in a weak Eastern Conference, I really do believe you got to be 500 to get to the playoffs at a minimum. And so it's going to Raptors will need a miracle to just even get back to 500. And you can look at the upcoming schedule and see, well, there's all these there's all, these games. Look, uh, you know, hey, listen, they can beat OKC. They can beat Detroit. They can beat all these other teams. You know, Chicago coming up or whatever. It's like, yeah, they can and they can't, you know. I I, I just, I, I don't really expect them to do that. Um, I, I think maybe not. they're the not outright tanking, but I think that the center position is so bad. The bench is so bad. Although they got Rodney Hood. Who I'm already going to nickname Godney Hood because he's uh, he looks like a god relative to most of the other bench options. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> they're they're just I, I don't know. I mean, listen, the, the front office might turn around and say, well, you know, well, they're not going to say we're tanking, but you know, look, like, uh, we do value the draft pick or whatever. Obviously, the intent coming into the season was not tanking. Okay, they just you know things have not gone according to plan, which you know. That might be the whole takeaway from 2020 onward is... uh, That's been the story of that year and now 2021 as well. But in any case, the game itself. So, let's start with the positives because there were some positives. I mean, there were legitimate positives. I thought the Raptors' first half was really good. Um, Defensively, they could have done a little bit better. uh, But at the same time, I thought... um, you know, offensively, there were a lot of really good things. Pascal was really, really strong to, from start to finish. I liked this game. Sustained his effort. No drop-off. Um, even late in the game, he was attacking. He was getting to the free throw line. I loved it, man. 8 of 16 from the uh, field. 2 of 3 from 3. 8 of 10 from the free throw line. I, what I liked the most about Pascal's game tonight is just, like, he looked at a really good defender in Robert Covington and said, yeah, but I'm going to I'm gonna win this matchup. And still score on you consistently. And, you know... I think you kind of need your main scorer to have, like, incredible confidence. And I feel like Pascal's confidence has been pretty high. I thought it was really high against the Suns as well. But it was really high tonight. I really liked the way he attacked the basket. Um, Pretty much the only time he didn't attack was when Portland had um, their centers really drop back and sort of like a soft double team with their center just waiting at the basket, which they can do when Aaron Baines or Stanley Johnson's on the floor. Guys can just ignore those guys altogether, and they're not going to really hurt you. Um, and yeah, that's when Pascal obviously decided, okay, maybe I'm not going to beat two guys to the basket, but when it was one-on-one, whether it was Robert Covington, whether it was, uh, Derek Jones Jr., who is the other, uh, Blazers, like, uh, go-to wing stopper, Raptors did a really good job, uh, and, sorry, uh, Siakam did a really good job of just going at those guys, um, and, you know, I, again, I don't think anyone will ever complain about a game like this from Pascal. Maybe he would have said, okay, a little bit more defensive contribution, you know, there were a few plays where I thought, you know, Pascal could have given better effort or a little bit more focused. But, I mean, for the most part, uh, offensively, I've, I've, you know, the last two games is kind of like the exact thing that you would ask for from every single night from Pascal. The, the assists were down. I didn't think the Raptors hit a lot of threes in general. So that's why his assists are down. His assists are almost always two three-point shooters because he's in the post and there's only one person in the post most of the time. Uh, But, yeah, I love the way Pascal attacked it. I love the way he approached the game. And, again, it's not like Portland has great defense necessarily. You know, their help defense wasn't that strong, especially at the basket. But they do have some decent wing defenders. That's what Covington and Jones are there for. And Pascal roasted those guys, which, you know, like. and I'm not saying that uh, Covington didn't occasionally stop Pascal. Like, there were some moments where Covington played it really well. Sat on the spin move, forced Pascal to t- hit the turnaround jumper, and Pascal was short on a few of those. Seems like he was always short on the turnaround jumper. I wish, you know, he would... I don't know what it is. Maybe you got to put more legs into it or anything like that, but it, it seems like the result is usually short for Pascal when he takes the turnaround jumper. But on the whole, I love Pascal's game today. Really have no complaints. OG had a really strong first half, but then kind of second half faded. Uh, 19 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal for OG... A couple of things I like from OG's game. First off, that second quarter uh, attacking and, and sort of playing without any hesitation. I mean, like OG was firing away from three. Uh, he was three or three in the first half, and then he went over four from three in the third quarter as part of the Raptors' ten-point quarter. Still can't believe that happened, uh, but you know, yeah, I, I like the way OG attacked in the first half. Um, you know, the Blazers tried to put some of their weaker guards on him, so like Dame or even CJ uh Simons and and listen I I want OG to have the ball regardless like I want him to attack anyway but especially when there's a mismatch like that I want OG to use his strength and attack and I liked it um you know I I thought that he he worked the pick and pop well with um uh, what's his name Malachi Flynn uh and I I liked his activity too like he, he got inside for like two tip-ins as well four offensive rebounds Um, and, and that's part of the thing where if you have a smaller guy on you, like part of the way to exploit that is not just to always post up and try to like bang it inside, but you know, you got a smaller guy on you. So when the shot goes up, like he's probably not going to be able to box you out. You have the length. If you have the will as well, um, go in there and get some offensive rebounds. And OG obviously was able to do that tonight with the Raptors. Um, you know, he had four offensive rebounds and, uh, yeah, I, I liked this game. Now, the thing is, I think this is also one of these games where I think it's really useful to then look back at the tape and see sort of where the mistakes happen. Because OG did have seven turnovers, which is, I mean, the Raptors only committed 12 turnovers as a team. So he had more than the rest of the guys combined. And a lot of those are kind of mistakes that were avoidable. Um, And what I mean by that is, there was one play where, there's two plays back-to-back where he was driving at Yusuf Nurkic on a switch. And I'm just thinking, against a bigger guy like that, the drive doesn't totally make the most sense, right? Like, uh, if especially because he was shooting the jumper well. I mean, 3-3 three three to start in the first half. Why not shoot a jumper against Nurkic, right? I mean, I understand OG can use his quickness a little bit and get to the spot. But, I mean, for the most part, Nurkic is a very solid defensive center. Uh, moves his what, a feet well. And, of course, very physical and long in the basket. Legit 7-footer. So, it's just not – it's an uphill battle going against him on drive. You know, take the jumper there. I mean, uh, I, I, you know, I thought OG could have done a better job in in those specific instances. I thought OG had some possessions where, um, you know, he wasn't um like fully in control of the ball. Like, so he he would get good post position. Uh, he had, um, especially one play I remember where Derrick Jones Jr. was on him, and Derrick Jones is is very long and obviously athletic. You know, um, you know, he was a dunk champion that one time. That's also the time he made it. Dwayne Wade, uh, you know, I mean, let's be real. Dwayne Wade <laughs> gave that dunk contest win to uh, his uh, former Heat teammate, and Aaron Gordon made a diss track about him because that's Aaron Gordon's whole career is getting punked by Kyle Lowry and losing in a dunk contest. Despite making very good dunks, I have to say, but still losing in a dunk contest. Anyway, uh, OG had Derrick Jones Jr. on him, and OG is strong, and so he was able to, just, like, push Derrick Jones Jr. right on the basket, got to his spot. And then turn to sort of gather and go up, and Jones was able to uh, swat the ball out of his hands on, on the way up. And, you know, you just need to be stronger, obviously, with the ball when you're playing in the post. Maybe even just keep the ball a little bit higher, you know, especially if you are going to – if you know you're going to be able to overpower your guy, which he was able to. Jones is like, you know, Chris Boucher-level BMI. Um you know, OG should maybe keep the ball a little bit higher so that there's less chance of the strip, or just be stronger with the ball. And then there's other instances where it's just like, you know, he's posting him against guards, and guards are anticipating the contact and just flopping on him. Like late in the game, that's what Dame did to OG. I mean, it was a bit of a shame. I mean, it was a shameless flop. It was a good flop like, in terms of like trying to win the game, right? I mean, listen, we can't have Kyle on the team and call anyone else have shameless flops. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, OG has to know that when he has a guard on him, be a little bit more patient right, and, um, you know, when you, when you are making your move, um, you know, read where the contact is coming from, and try to maybe spin away from that contact, because then, you know, it, it, if you're spinning away from the contact, and the guy flops, you know, referee's probably gonna, at least you hope, the referee can just see that, that that is a flop, and whatever, but, yeah, it was, uh you know, seven turnovers is unfortunate, but I, I like the overall game from OG, and of course, defensively, man, obviously, giving you everything you need, I mean, this guy was guarding... CJ, he was guarding Dame. He was guarding uh, Nurkic, Melo. Like <laughs> this guy guarded everybody on the team. He was, you know, I, and I thought the defense looked pretty solid when he was on. But um, yeah, it just uh, it wasn't happening for for OG. I thought, you know, some other positives to go over. Uh, I liked I liked what Rodney Hood gave the Raptors. You know, he had eight points in his first like four minutes off the bench. I've had a strong first quarter as part of the Raptors 41-point first quarter. And, I mean, man, it was exciting to watch him because, you know, I think I've just really missed, like, seeing competence. Like, I feel like competence is something that we don't really, like, talk about all the time, but it's super valuable. And, um, yeah, man, I just, you know, the fact that he, I mean, I've been harping it over and over again, six points off the bench. Can someone give you six points? Yeah, a lot of Raptors guys gave you six points out the bench, but Rodney immediately gave you eight points, and I was like, all right, this is wicked. Then he hit a three right before halftime. That was an open three, you know, in the corner, and he hit it right at the buzzer. Fantastic. Uh, now, he cooled off, but, I mean, like, realistically, you're going to expect more than 13 points from Rodney. Not necessarily. I think the fact that he can hit an you know, open jumper, you know, seems to know what he's doing, seems to be willing to take a shot. I like the fact he had eight shots in 27 minutes. That seems like a pretty healthy amount of... Uh, offense going towards his way because he can do a lot more offensively than most of the other Raptors um, bench guys Uh, Chris Boucher I liked his activity on the offensive glass I didn't like how much he got hurt on the defensive glass but I can't really blame him I mean he had 11 rebounds in 24 minutes the other starting center tonight Aaron Baines 15 minutes zero rebounds so you know not gonna kill a guy for 11 rebounds not expecting him to gather everything. But, you know, I thought Chris did a really good job with his activity. Obviously, he hit some threes, got fouled on a three, which that might be the first time I've seen Chris Boucher fouled on a three. Obviously, he does foul quite a few three-point shooters in his, uh, you know, overzealous attempts to sort of block threes. And so, you know, it's only fair that Chris gets fouled on a three occasionally as well. And he hit he, he, two or three, I believe, down the stretch there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think especially with his ability to space the floor, play pick-and-pop a little bit, and just keep the opposing centers honest, that helps so many other guys. It definitely helps Pascal. I mean, like, Pascal and Baines is just a combo that doesn't work. It's like mixing oil and water together. Like, you know, I mean, to be honest, Baines is like uh, like that for every single te- guy on the team. <laughs> it is really, really, really tough to see him. I don't really see what what guy Aaron Baines benefits. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think Boucher's ability to space really helps Pascal. Um yeah, and it's just really just Boucher got bullied a little bit, which you kind of could expect because you knew the bench matchup coming up was Enos Kanter versus Chris Boucher, and the Raptors did also anticipate that as well, so they put Stanley Johnson in the rotation, and so it was strange because Boucher, even though he was the center, would guard a wing, and Stanley or OG or whoever was beside him would then play center and guard Enos Kanter, and sort of kind of just, you know, borrowing the strength of a guy like Stanley or or OG, because that's something that Boucher obviously lacks, but the Blazers also figured that out. Like two blazing and and uh, Dame was able to attack um, Boucher off uh, on a pick and roll, or whatever. And you know, Dame got him at the end as well. I mean, you know, listen, uh, I, I wouldn't. I, I mean, Boucher does a lot of things well. I don't think he's defensively sound, and that's one of the reasons why his minutes are limited. Is until he can be defensively sound, that's what happens. Plus. You know, Enos Kanter, every single time he got Boucher on him, just literally, like, walked to the basket and and, and either got an offensive rebound or scored. It was uh, annoying to watch, definitely annoying to watch the Raptors just consistently not have centers. But, I mean, again, Boucher is a four, so, you know... Again, he was much better than Baines, so I'm not even going to try to complain about Boucher. I thought Stanley came in, gave him some decent ish minutes. I don't really know. Like, I thought Stanley had some nice moments earlier this season, but now I'm kind of watching him now and just it's kind of unsteady with him. I think that's the thing. You can't really fully feel at ease. Like he'll just give up like a over aggressive aggressive foul or like he you know he makes a lot of mistakes just out of like aggression. I think he really likes to use that aggression in his game and sometimes it's obviously it's a very important part of the game. But like I mean like over aggression like you know uh, like late in the game for example he had the Raptors were had Stanley on Johnson on the floor they were trying to switch a lot of the actions sort of keep you know uh, help defense to a minimum so that you know Dame and CJ when they drove they when, you know not keeping another guy helping, and then someone else open. Blaze obviously had a ton of shooters. Uh, So they they, they were switching. So Stanley was on CJ, and CJ brought the ball up to, like, you know, pretty much beside Nick Nurse uh, on the sideline, and even though he was, like, 35 feet from the basket, Stanley was pressed up so close on him, and that just really allowed a guy like CJ with a great handle to cross over and sort of get separation and drive right past him, which, again, that's just, that's over-aggressiveness. I think you gotta, like, there's value in sort of giving up some space uh, so that you can also cut him off. Like, I think that's the like basic tenet of defense pretty much in, in, in soccer and in football and basketball. Like, you know. Um, in any case, so I thought Stanley gave them some solid contributions. You know, he hit some threes. The Blazers were really disrespecting him. going Way off. He hit those. And made a couple of defensive plays as well. I really don't have any complaints. Uh, I just think that, like, he could have done a little bit better defensively, but... In any case, they were up against a pretty difficult opponent, and, you know, it, it just kind of is what it is. So, um, two guys I didn't really mention there were, well, three guys I didn't really mention Malachi. I mean, I don't know. He's he's mostly just pulling on for three uh, offensively. He's, he's been very predictable offensively. Worked two pick-and-pops, you know, you know, got two assists that way, but for the most part, you know, you're kind of keeping Flynn on the floor for his defense. There's one play where he matched up against Dame. Dame tried to cross him up a little bit, try to take the rookie off the dribble. Uh, Flynn, you know, stayed on him, stayed on his hip, and was able to get Dame to take a turnaround jumper, which Flynn also contested from the mid-range, which, listen, if you can get Dame to take that shot, Dame probably could still make that shot, obviously. He's like one of the premium shot makers in NBA history. Uh, But still, I don't mind that. Uh, And I like Malachi's... uh, Defense, it's just his offense right now is very, very limited. Uh, And then the two guys I didn't really match were Gary Trent Jr. Obviously, you know, he's facing his his former team, six points. He had one three. Those Raptors called a timeout, got him a double screen after the timeout. Gary lifted the top of the floor, two good screens, and Gary got an open three. He made it. To be honest, what I don't like right now is seeing this. Like, his three-point shooting, the misses seem erratic. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think he's taking, maybe he's taking a little bit shot, shots that aren't totally comfortable for him, obviously he's just new to the team and things like this, um, but it does seem like he's trying to be aggressive with the shot, and for the most part, like, the misses have been kind of, kind of, all over the place, like, there's some, like, an airball on there too, and again, he's a really good shooter, so, like, of course, like, good shooters can kind of go through these stretches, especially when they're in situations that are different for them and you're experiencing change, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm expecting him to get back on track a little bit. Um, obviously, I'm not expecting him to shoot 20% overall. Uh, it seems like when he gets the pick and roll and he gets the chance to attack, when he comes out of the pick and roll, defenses are usually dropping back on him. And he seems to love that mid-range pull-up. It looks smooth when he shoots it. It looks smoother when he shoots a three, for, for example. But uh, I-, I would like to see him get all the way to the basket sometimes. I mean, I think the, the mid-range pull-up is nice. It's fine. But, like, you really have to be really good at the mid-range pull-up to have that as the main function of what you do and of course when you are selling for that mid-range pull-up you're not really creating much for anyone else because when you get to the basket and stuff like that defense helps and rotates you can maybe dump it off to a cutter kick it out to a three-point shooter you know all sorts of stuff can happen good things can happen when you pressure the rim when you pressure the mid-range nothing happens you just shoot a mid-range jumper that's it and generally speaking that's not what the end goal is but again he's new on the team you gotta give him time to figure that out and then fred i mean man fred had great moments i thought in the fourth quarter made some real tough buckets but I mean, that third quarter, I mean, a lot of that was on Fred. And, you know, uh, Nick kind of not even singled him out, just kind of pointed out the fact that, uh, yeah, as the point guard, he could have gotten the team better shots. And 10 points in the quarter is not good enough. And a lot of those were just, like, Fred pulling up for three and kind of, you know, not you know what it was? I think he was running out of options in terms of just, like, he was driving to the rim and getting blocked. And then he was pulling up for three and he was missing. And he was trying to, like, drive, create, get open shots for other guys, and other guys were missing or stepping out of bounds. And it's just, like, I think a lot of things is kind of uh, snowballing. I wasn't surprised that he sat on the bench, came back in, and had a much better shift. If I mean, he he he's usually counted on to play the entire third quarter today without Kyle. You obviously needed him and Pascal to sort of carry them. And yeah, that third quarter was ugly, but uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I'm not gonna put it too much against Fred. He did finish with 20 points, five rebounds, eight assists, had some key plays. He was also plus five in his 38 minutes, which is pretty impressive considering he was on the floor for that entire third quarter where the Raptors were minus 13. So, um, yeah, that's the analysis portion of the game uh, in terms of the s- feelings and the sentimental portion, which is also very important. I think we all very much get in touch with our feelings, which is, I think, probably why a lot of people listen to this podcast. It's, like, therapeutic. So, I appreciate everyone for that. But, at the same time, um, Norm Powell. Man, first off, real weird that you got to see Norm, like, like the trade deadline was Thursday. Today is Sunday. Like that's odd. Like I don't think Norm has even, Norm has even left the state of uh, Florida because he was obviously in Florida on Thursday. Got traded, played the next game on Friday. I believe they were in Orlando, and now he's back here again. I mean, I mean, he might not even have. To, he, I mean, he didn't even necessarily need to leave his house, like the house that he was renting for you know to to play with the Raptors. Like he could have just slept in that 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 rental house that he had for the whole season um, before today. It was basically a home game for Norm. Um. Yeah. So it was awkward. Obviously, I mean, it feels very strange to see him in another jersey. Uh, there was a very cute moment at the start of the game where the Raptors were lining up and the Blazers were lining up to, for the tip-off, and Norm stationed on the wrong side. Like he went to the Raptors side. I think it's just instinctual for him. And of course, he realized his mistake and jogged back. But that's one of the funniest things, and it's so sweet. Of course, you know he's you know obviously always going to be Toronto in his heart through and through, especially this early. Uh, from the trade. As for the game itself, obviously Norm made some open shots. I like got to the free-throw line nine times, although two, uh, four of those were intentional fouls. Uh, but, you know, the Raptors actually did a pretty good job on Norm. I mean, they limited his attempts, which is the best way to, you know, contain Norm. Obviously, when Norm gets open shots, he's not really going to do much about it, man. He's obviously a very, you know, knockdown shooter. But uh, they limited his attempts. Only six field goals for Norm. This is despite the fact that the Raptors are sending a lot of extra attention towards Dame and CJ. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, a lot of that was just being physical on the catch, not letting him sort of curl and get open sort of downhill, not letting him get free on the three-point line, definitely not leaving him, because obviously he's been such a knockdown shooter, and the Raptors did a good job guarding him, and I thought the Raptors early in the game did a really good job of just exploiting him defensively, because, like, you know, Norm's a lot of things, but he's not really a good defender, and the Raptors were really made it a point to drive at Norm, whether it was OG, whether it was Pascal, even Fred, guy's just going right at Norm, putting him into early foul trouble, and um, yeah, you know, that's kind of how it went. I mean, in in terms of notable moments, aside from Norm lining up on the wrong side, there's one play where Norm, obviously he knows the Raptors' sets and things like that, uh, immediately saw what the Raptors were going to do, jumped the passing lane, uh, broke up the pass, and got free for a dunk, a breakaway dunk, and on the way back was uh, looking at the, um, the, the Raptors' bench. Which I believe I actually made that. Oh, that's not it. I I, I thought I made that as the profile photo, but it didn't really work for this one. But in any case, uh, yeah, you know that's that's funny. That that really is funny. Uh, Fred afterwards he said, "Yeah, I thought he was looking at me, but I'm like, yo, I I I didn't trade you." (laughs) So that's funny. I mean, I don't think Norm holds like hard feelings towards anybody in the organization or anything like that. Um, But you know, it is that competitive fire, absolutely. and, and, yeah, even late in the game, I thought Norm was trying to give some things to the Raptors. Like, uh, you know, Fred got fouled on a corner three, and, and he missed his third free throw attempt. But then Norm got the offensive rebound, or defensive rebound, but then immediately got tied up. So the Raptors actually got an extra possession. And then Norm lost the jump ball to Fred. Or I mean, Norm got to the ball, obviously, because Norm's obviously way more athletic than Fred. But he tapped the ball back, and it, right into Pascal's hands, and Pascal was... Accidentally stepped out of bounds. I don't know. This all, end of the game took a very long time. In, in any case, though, and, and Norm missed two free throws, and he ended up ripping his jersey out of frustration. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was obviously Norm, the, the happiest part is that he got the win. And, you know, I, I, it was really nice seeing him embrace so many of his teammates. Uh, you know, it's it sucks seeing him again, man. I think part, the, the hardest part about sort of this Raptors season is sort of just like, there hasn't really been that sort of next generation of guys that you kind of attach yourself to maybe that's because they're not here in Toronto maybe that's whatever probably mostly because the Raptors haven't really gotten a lot of you know big pieces or even important pieces where you can sort of invest your future in and things like that a lot of these guys feel temporary like I don't really know if I'll see a lot of these guys on the bench again but um, you know where the Raptors' sentiments and where the Raptors' hearts really lie is in all these different pieces all around the league like it's I mean, I don't want to be basic and make a Harry Potter comparison. But it's like the, the Raptors' soul is trapped in, like, seven different Horcruxes across the league. So when you see Demar, it's real emotional. When you see Kawhi, it's real emotional. When you see Surge, it's real emotional. When you see JV, it's real emotional. Um, and uh, now Norm as well. And when, you know, it, it just, you know, so when you see Mark, eventually it'll be an emotional. Danny, you know, it's emotional. Like, I think part of that comes with winning. You know, I, I remember doing this piece, like, way, way back of just, like, what looking back at sort of how many Raptors and sort of former Raptors and where they were, and what I really discovered in that process was just, like, how many, how the Raptors used to be this, like, graveyard for NBA players, like, guys used to just come to Toronto and then just leave the NBA afterwards, because, like, the Raptors were, A, not a destination, but, B, they were also making bad trades, getting guys who were on their way out, and, C, like, they just weren't succeeding at all in Toronto, so there was no chance for them to really get another career afterwards, now it's obviously different. When you have experience winning, you have guys everywhere. And, um, yeah, you know, it's hard, honestly. It's hard seeing these guys. Like, it's hard seeing Norm. It's hard feeling like the heart of your team and, and, and what you know to be Raptors. Right? It's hard to see Raptors elsewhere. Um, and, and, if arguably speaking, there are more players that feel like Raptors, to me, elsewhere in the league than there are just on the Raptors themselves. Like, I, you know, I look at some of these guys and I'm just like, you know, some people are just passing through, and you can you know that. Like, Baines is passing through, you know, which, by the way, Baines had a poster dunk on Norm today, which was hilarious, and also blocked him as well. But, uh, I mean, he's throwing Baines, so whatever. But in any case, yeah, it was great to see Norm. You know, it, it – uh, and, and I think especially when you see some of these guys too, like, it reminds you of, like, oh, yeah, like, the Raptors are in a, you know a bad spot as compared to where they were before. And so that might make it even harder to see them, but – In any case, you know, I wish Norm the best of success, obviously. Like, he's going to be a really good piece for this Portland Trailblazers team. The the fans already love him because he had 22 points in his debut. I'm like, yo, that's that's standard for Norm, so don't worry. The Raptors obviously did a good job with Norm, but the Raptors obviously know how to guard Norm because they've had him this whole time. They've raised him. And, um, yeah, just to Blazers fans if any Blazers fans are ever listening to this just like take care of Norm you know we're, we're gonna be rooting for the Blazers to be honest we're almost at the point where we have to draft a team to adopt because if you have been a long time Raptor fan you know this this is part of the uh, experience of the Raptor fans it's sort of like You have to uh, draft a team every year, basically, and adopt a team every year to cheer for. Usually because, you know, the Raptors have been bad historically. So, like, when the Raptors were were really trash, I used to be, like, you know, I mean, Rockets fans to watch Yao Ming. I used to be a Suns fan to watch, you know, Steve Nash. You know, you just kind of attach yourself to other teams because obviously you have to live vicariously because your team, the Raptors, are usually losing. And we're almost at that point, which is really dark to sort of return to this point, but we're almost at that point. And if the Raptors were to draft a team to cheer for Raptor fans, Portland is a really good team to to root for um, in that sense. But yeah, in terms of your three stars from the game tonight, first target with the Pascal, 26 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, uh, 8 of 10 from the free throw line, 8 of 16 from the, free, uh, from the field goals. And uh, two or three from the three uh, looked really good. I really enjoyed Pascal's game. Second star, I'll give that to... I'll I'll give it to OG, I guess. 19 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, and steal. Defense was awesome. I didn't like the seven turnovers, but of course, I do think these are learning experiences for him. Uh, But, you know, uh, yeah, I I, I like the way OG played. I like his aggression. I I like his defense a lot. And then third star... Yo, I'm gonna give this to Rodney Hood. 13 points, two rebounds. This is the first time Rodney Hood's gotten a star, so congratulations, Rodney. Looking forward to when Gary gets a star as well. Hopefully it's happening soon, maybe tomorrow against Detroit. But uh yeah, Rodney came in, gave them a boost. And listen, I, I keep talking about I need bench scoring, and the Raptors got bench scoring from Rodney Hood tonight. So uh yeah, real solid. In terms of your Gerald Henderson Award winner, that's gotta go to uh Derrick Jones Jr. Uh 16 points. I liked how disruptive he was, the, the five blocks, the steal, seven of nine from the field was really getting, you know, finding those little gaps to sort of cut into and did a really, really good job. Uh, and, of course, there's other guys, you know, I thought Cantor gave them some, some really good minutes, Simons gave them some clutch baskets, uh, Covington played his game well, but, yeah, I mean, Derrick Jones Jr. had a really nice game, and I'm happy, like, he's almost like... Uh, like a Chris Boucher, except for the Miami Heat. Although now he's playing for the Portland Trail Blazers, but he's also a guy where you know you don't fully expect him to really become anything. He came out of the G League and made a career for himself, and now is this sort of like odd, skinny guy who uses athleticism and makes plays. And um, I'm happy for guys like that. I'm happy for Chris. I'm happy for uh, for for Derek. So that does it for the podcast. The Raptors play again tomorrow against Detroit. So I'll be back to recap that game. I can't wait. Maybe the Raptors can actually win. Although, if the Raptors don't win, you know, uh, the Raptors. Listen, man. The you know, the odds are whatever. You know, if the Raptors got a top five pick, whatever out of this, you know, maybe it saves the season. Maybe, or maybe it saves the franchise. Maybe it doesn't. But, um, yeah, it is what it is. It's one of those, as Tyron Liu famously said against the Raptors in the first ever game I covered at the ACC. Uh, it's about wins and. It's not about wins and losses, it's about wins and lessons He said this about the Cavs the the day after LeBron left I think Tristan Thompson said in that same interview that um, the East still runs through Cleveland Which, listen, the East has run through Cleveland Don't get me wrong, they have run right through Cleveland, man <laughs> They have backed up the car, they have really gone over a few times They have left tracks in the, in, in the mud That's how much they ran over Cleveland um, But in any case yeah, so it's, it's it's not about wins and losses at this point. It's about wins and lessons. And the lessons are just get some guys some development and uh, get some more talent. So that is for the podcast. I'll be back tomorrow to recap the Pistons game. Uh, subscribe to the newsletter. Listen to the podcasts. I don't know. I mean, I'll be back tomorrow. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans.